0: Good morning and welcome to Inside the Huddle. Uh, We are here on a Thursday instead of a Wednesday because I had to reschedule. TJ Inman, our co-host, will be joining us shortly. We're going to break down the Maryland versus Indiana matchup um, that is going to happen on Saturday at noon in College Park, Maryland. Uh, We'll be there uh, flying out early tomorrow morning. Uh, Anyway, it's the final two games on the road There are two winnable games. Indiana is sitting at four and six, needing two to get to uh, bowl eligible. Although they could go to a bowl with uh, five wins, but uh, you know, just getting to six wins is something. There's something about six wins uh, that needs to be done. So I'll be happy at five and seven with the bowl, but it will be something uh, much uh, better if it was six and six with the bowl. I know it's not a terrific record but it's 6 and 6 then you have a chance to win the bowl game and get to over 500. Uh TJ, welcome to back to the show. How are you? I'm
2: doing well, Sammy. Always a pleasure.
0: Always. We're we're down to the the last two games of the year. Uh this one against Maryland. Maryland's 2 and 8, TJ. Um they're over for the Big 10 as well. Uh they lost to Bowling Green of West Virginia at a conference um, they've fired their coach already, and it just—it seems like they're—they're they're stuck in a spiral.
2: Yeah, I—I I think that this is a case of a team that I, I'm sure that the players are, are still, you know, giving their their effort during the games. I'm not suggesting that they are just. There has to be a little bit of a. Uh, probably a lack of sharpness in their preparation, you know maybe guys aren't paying quite as much attention uh as they were early in the season to film study and and things like that because it's highly likely that much of this coaching staff uh is not going to be with them once the uh once the new coach is hired um, I would anticipate that Mike Loxley. Who is currently the interim head coach? I'd anticipate that he's going to be kept on because he's a pretty strong recruiter. Uh, they have a you know, for them. They've got some fairly high-profile players that are from the Baltimore area that are uh, as of now still pledged to go to Maryland. And Loxley was was critical in uh, recruiting them, so I'd imagine he'd stay on. Maybe a couple others stay on, but for the most part, most of this coaching staff is probably going to be at someplace different. Uh, so there's just, you know, there's no stakes, really. This is not a rivalry by any any stretch of the imagination. I know that they're division foes, but uh, definitely not a rivalry. So, you know, there's really very little stakes for this Maryland football team. It is going to be senior day at Bird Stadium. So uh, the, the Terps will have some senior players that will want to, to win their final home game. Um, but... I, you know, I would not expect much of a crowd. I would not expect much of a hostile atmosphere. Uh, there's, As far as road games go, this is going to be a, a very tame environment for Indiana to be able to to go on the road and get their second road victory of the season, which would be the uh, the most that they've had under Kevin Wilson in a season. So, yeah, you're right. They're they're kind of on a on a tailspin. There's no doubt about that. You mentioned the West Virginia game; they were absolutely embarrassed in that one. That was kind of the first indication that you know Maryland was going to be a, a bad team this season, not just a, a decent team that you know would have a, a bad record based on their schedule, but that they were actually going to be a bad team. And the rest of the season has kind of played that out. They've had a couple of uh, a couple of games where they put up a fight. Uh, they were pretty pretty close against Penn State. Um, yeah, it's hard to compare the two head-to-head matchups because IU was so limited uh, when they took on Penn State, but Maryland only lost to them by a point. Uh, and then they were not by Michigan State last week, but Michigan State was without Connor Cook for the second half, and really it was without a healthy Connor Cook for the entire game. He was not himself. All Day, and he's got some shoulder issues. So they were playing a backup quarterback, Kevin O'Connor, for much of that contest, and it it did not go well. Um, But the defensive numbers did look pretty good for Maryland. So uh, we'll talk about the keys of the game here for a little bit, but really the first thing that jumps out when you look at this matchup is after a string of very good... Teams that Indiana played with the exception of Rutgers, uh, this is an opponent that Indiana can line up against with you know equal athletes, equal depth. This is really a, a matchup where the rosters uh, you don't feel as if Indiana is an underdog. I know that the the line on this game is very close. It's close to a pick 'em game. Maryland getting a couple of points just for the the home field, standard home field advantage. But um, this is really the first time since that Rutgers game. And if you take out the Rutgers game, the first time all Big Ten season, Indiana's roster uh, is very very comparable to to their opponent. Uh, and if any of passing defense is going to have a decent day, uh, Saturday is going to be it. Yeah, and, and you know, going on that, and you alluded
0: to the small crowd. That's going to be tough. You know, sometimes playing yeah. in front of a hundred thousand people is tough, but playing in front of ten thousand people is tough too. Um, you know, football is a game of energy, and when you come out and there's a hundred thousand people, you get. You get fired up, and when there's ten thousand people, you're gonna to have to bring their own your own energy, and I think IU does that well. Um, but we'll see. I, I'm excited to go see Maryland. It's supposed to be a great uh, college town, uh, and we'll see. You know, I'll let you guys know about uh, Bird Stadium. Um, but a couple things worry about, uh, me about this game, uh, TJ. First is uh, Will likely. Uh, their big returner, I put him as, you know, the matchup to watch for me is Will Likely versus Griffin Oaks. Now, I know it's more than that. There's the kick return team and the punt return team as well. Uh, but Will Likely is an absolute monster in return game. And Griffin Oaks is, is uh, you know, the front runner for, for Big Ten, uh, all Big Ten kicker, um, which, you know, people are just realizing. But I think you and I had, and Nick had him uh, as pretty good from, from the get go. Um, so, you know, we'll see what, what other matchups, uh, uh, strike you as, uh, as something that, um uh, is kind of a disadvantage or an advantage for IU.
2: Yeah. For, uh, I'll just speak on the William likely piece real quick. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, likely is a player that IU needs to make sure they don't give him a chance to, turn, uh, to change this game. um, on defense he's a defensive back uh you know i would say adequate um he's not he's not tremendous in coverage but he's adequate uh they'll put him in at offense and they will try to get him the ball Uh, in the past you know he really hasn't gotten it enough in my opinion Uh, as much as their offense struggles to generate big plays i think they need to get him the ball more but so far, he's been used mostly as a decoy, and he'll get you know, five or six touches on offensive game, a couple of carries, a couple of short receptions. Um, but then returning is, is really where he makes his, his big mark, so you're right about that. Averaging uh, 24.1 yards per turn on kickoff, he has one kickoff return for a touchdown earlier in the season, and then he is. Uh, averaging 17.7 yards on par return with touchdowns uh, returning there. So um, what, what he can do is just imagine the scenario where Indiana has, let's say, uh, taken a, I don't know, like a 17 to, to 10 lead, and they're starting to feel good about themselves. They're moving the ball on offense. The defense has actually gotten a couple of stops, and – for some reason, let's say that I don't know. Eric Tos has a, a low punt that William Likely is able to get on to after their defense gets stop. Likely returns it for a touchdown at 17-17. Maryland, you know, gets pumped up by it. Indiana, you know, maybe panics a little bit, and you got a ball game. So uh, what what can happen with big special teams plays? is it can completely change momentum, it can add a score that you didn't expect, and as porous as Indiana's defense has been, they really can't afford to give up points in any other facet of the game. So that's definitely a matchup to watch for, and and Griffin Oaks' ability to put the ball through the end zone on kickoffs routinely and not give him any opportunities on kickoff returns. Uh, It's going to be a huge weapon for Indiana, Uh, assuming that that he can do that again on Saturday, and we have no reason to think that he won't. But, uh, yeah, Yeah, And and, and you know what?
0: And, and TJ, you touched on the punt return game, too. He's been more dangerous in the punt return game. And so far this year, um, Eric Tote's been been solid. He's had a good year. He's kind of, you know, surprised me. Um, But if you look at his game against Ohio State, where they were kicking to Jalen Marshall, who's another uh, great kick returner, Kind of, you know, I don't know if, if, you know, if it was in his head, but he kind of just didn't get it done against him, and that that's worrisome. Maybe he's learned from his mistakes in the past and kicking it low with no coverage. But if you're going to sky kick it, hopefully the weather is good because if you have a wind, any kind of wind, um, or right. rain, that could throw a wrench into your kicking game as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, there's there's no doubt about that. I think Toto's been a um not great but i think better than expected would be a fair way of putting it uh he has he's had very few punts where they've and especially in the past i'd say the past probably month um he's had very few punts that you would say wow he shanked that one or um or he's just completely failed to flip the old position at all for you you know there haven't been any of those kind of 25-yard shanks that go out of bounds and leave the ref, you know, walking up the field where you're just, you know, shaking your head as he continues to walk forward to mark the ball. But um, if if he is able to – and that that is what I'm more more worried about with likely is the punt returns because I have such confidence in Oaks getting the ball into the end zone and not just into the end zone, but usually – Uh, you know, five or six yards deep into the end zone where the kicker-turner can't even think about returning it. Um, But, you know, I I think that Toast needs to have, uh, you know, you hope he doesn't have to punt much, but uh, if he is going to, you hope that he can get some height on those punts. And like you said, you don't want to have any wind that that knocks that down and uh, forces you to line drive any. So that's going to be an important factor to watch, especially, uh, like I said, with Indiana's, you know, defense, they just they can't afford to be put into bad situations. So field position is gonna be important to give the defense every opportunity they they can to succeed. You know, that brings me to main the main thing that I, I am going to be watching for uh is I use pass defense versus a really bad pass offense. Um yeah, you know, Maryland is, is going to start Perry Hills. Uh Kayla Bro might play some as well but you know these guys are—they're not good. Um, Perry Hills is an effective runner. We'll talk about that later. That's a danger point for Indiana. We'll talk about—or you know—I'd like to ask you how you think Indiana's going to defend that. But um, Maryland has thrown 28 interceptions through 10 games. You know that is yep. historic levels of, of bad. Uh, that's yep. coming and, off and as bad of, as Perry Hills.
0: TJ, as bad as Perry Hills has been, Caleb Rowe has been arguably wor- much, much worse.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rowe has been worse. 15 picks and 114 attempts for Rowe, Uh 12 picks and 174, the two of them together, one interception every 11 attempts. So if you think about, let's say that Nate Sudfeld was throwing it at that rate, you know, in, in a, an offense that actually does pass the ball quite a bit, and Indiana is certainly not the most pass happy offense in the league, but um you know, let's say that you're throwing the ball you know thirty five times, which is not an obscene amount in today's you know game, you're looking at three interceptions at that rate, so that I mean that is mind bogglingly bad from. Big Ten quarterbacks, Uh, and and it has not just been one guy. Like you said, it's been Rowe, it's been Hills, it was Dax Garman when he got in there for a little bit. So uh, Maryland's offense has been really good at shooting themselves in the foot. So for Indiana uh, defense, and especially the secondary, to step up, and they don't even need to play well. They just need to play acceptable levels of decent football, for Indiana to get a win on Saturday because Maryland, I mean, these guys have only passed over 200 yards at one time uh, in the Big Ten. That's it. Just one time over 200 yards, which is not, I mean, 200 yards is not an accomplishment uh, in today's college football or NFL, and for that matter. 200 yards is a very, very mediocre day and they've yet to exceed 250 through the air. So I I don't know if Indiana's defense and the secondary cannot hold Maryland to under 250 or, you know, and these numbers are a little bit you know, skewed because if Indiana's ahead and Maryland has to chuck it around late to try to catch up, you know, I, that's, perfectly fine with me and I would expect to give up more yards there than you would in kind of uh you know, a closer game. But if Indiana can hold them under two hundred and fifty meaningful yards then I think Indiana's got a great chance to win because I don't think that uh Maryland's gonna be able to generate enough points unless they are able to get their passing attack going like pretty much every other opponent has against IU. You know, it's it, Every Saturday, it seems like we're talking about a career day for another quarterback that IU goes against. And um, if they give up a, a career day to Caleb Rowe and make him look like an NFL quarterback, then, I don't know, you might just want to consider leaving uh, leaving everyone that has to do with the secondary in College Park and just go home without them. Yeah, and you're right about that. I, I do think that IU
0: would benefit if this game is a shootout. Um, more than, yeah, you know, yeah. a 17-10 distra- uh, defensive struggle, because uh, I do think that if IU gets out to a Big League and makes his team throw, that they're not going to make the plays. You know, as you said, they have, you know, what an interception every 11 throws, and if you get down big, you know, throw the ball, they're going to throw the ball. I don't think Perry Hills, I mean, he shouldn't have a career day, although his career day might be 250 yards. And, and I think you fun. could live with two hundred. Yeah, I think you could live with that. Um, you know, get your turnovers. This is this is your chance to get back to where your defense was at the beginning of the year, getting two or three turnovers a, a game and cashing those turnovers into points, whether it be a field goal or a touchdown. I think now any any points off of any turnover uh, is is fine. Um, so yep. you know, it, it's we'll see who plays quarterback. I think Perry Hills has started. He's their starter. I think they sprinkle in Caleb Rowe. Um, we'll see where they go with that. They are going to miss West Brown. Uh, he's their third leading rusher and short yardage back specialist. He was suspended yep. uh, for a year uh, due to a- academic or student misconduct uh, reasons. He had been uh, suspended before, I believe. Uh, so, uh, we'll see. You know, Brandon Ross is a is a decent back. He has 540 yards rushing, um, you know, but that's 54 yards a game. This team is not a good offensive team. It's a team that IU should be able to feast upon, get these young corners some experience, get them some success to give them confidence to, to um, move up, you know, just get some confidence in, into their play and, and have them make some big plays.
2: Yeah, the the best weapon for uh, for Maryland's offense is Perry Hills running the ball, and that that has typically typically come as either designed, not quite zone reads, but more often quarterback keepers with him, or when the play breaks down. That you know, kind of similar to what we saw Jake Rudock do last week, which is kind of concerning heading into this one uh, because you know Hills. Well, not lightning quick. Uh, he he's mobile, and he's a big guy. Uh, Perry Hills is I'm trying to look up. Wrote it down somewhere here. Six three. Yeah, six three over two hundred pounds. So, uh, he's a pretty big guy. Not easy to bring down. Um, he had three games over a hundred yards already this season. He had one hundred and seventy against Ohio State, one twenty four against Penn State, one hundred and four against Iowa. You've got three rushing touchdowns uh you know I, I how do you think that Indiana is going to kind of defend this? Do you see them maybe using i don't know somebody like a at gray Scales as kind of a spy um i I think with the lack of success that Maryland's passing game has had, and I think the confidence that you have in your front four to defend the traditional running game. I, I kind of think that a spy, uh, nearly every play is best way to go for Indiana to avoid getting gashed like they did a couple times by Rudock. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I was I was um, thinking the exact same thing. That spying either, you know, Scales is finally healthy and he could probably keep up with uh, Caleb Rowe. So spying Scales or spying TJ Simmons. Um, we'll see how he is yeah. health wise. He did have a foot injury against Michigan State. With that Michigan State game, he had 15 tackles, just flying around, making plays. I think Scales is a little bit better in coverage, um, so you can put him back out there to defend the pass and keep Simmons in there to, you know, hinder the run. And he could lower the boom. I think a couple. If you if Caleb Rowe is scrambling a couple of times and gets smacked in the mouth, you know that might hinder him from 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 running the ball. I know it's you know kind of an old school mentality, but you know any time you take a big hit you might think twice about running it up, up the middle on, on a scramble like Rudock did uh last week but yeah Hill Hill's running ability is a concern i think that the front um you know the front four including a bandit are going to have to play uh, really well what indiana has to avoid doing is what they did last week was when they either you know Rush the people from the middle. Rush those linebackers from the middle, and just vacate the middle of the field, and have Rudock step up and and just run for days. Um, so having a spy, I think, would be work best. TJ, I agree with you.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, I'm sure the coaching staff has been watching uh, the past two games, Wisconsin and Michigan State. Hills was kept under 50 yards in both of those. Uh, you know, obviously Indiana's defense does not just uh, not execute at the same level as those two teams, but uh I think that they can certainly learn a lot from, from what Wisconsin and Michigan State did, which you know, Wisconsin has tremendous linebackers that tackle very well and that's that's what struck out to to me when I or stuck out to me when I watched uh, watch Wisconsin against Hills. Uh, they did not miss any tackles on him when he did try to get in the open field. Uh, So he never really got past the linebackers. And Michigan State uh, was able to get quite a few sacks, which obviously really hurts the rushing totals. But uh, I I think that that will be very interesting to see because it's quite often that Indiana's third down defense or Indiana gets themselves into good position on third down. We talked about it so much. You know, I I think that uh, we could see. Unfortunately, I think that we might see some some third downs where Indiana gets them into passing situations. It's third and eight, third and nine. It looks like, all right, they're going to get off the field here, and then you know Perry Hills runs for ten yards or twelve yards and gets the first down because Indiana is unable to uh, to finish a play. Maybe they get pressure on him, but he escapes the pocket and gets out of there for the first down. I just you, you can't allow. Number one, they can't continue to allow teams to to execute on third down the way that they have. You know, you're playing an offense that is really lacks a strength, but if they did have one, it would be uh, the running game of Perry Hills, and then you know kind of short yardage execution uh, with West Brown or Ross. And now Brown's gone, so you take away one of the things that they did remotely well. So this is just, like you said, it's an opportunity for the defense to finally get back to the way they were playing at the start of the season. Maryland turns the ball over like crazy. They're worst in the the country at turnover margin, meaning they don't force turnovers on defense and they give up the ball constantly. We talked about the interceptions. So it's a good opportunity for the defense to make some plays and I I don't expect them to just shut down Maryland's offense. They're not going to shut down any offense. That's just not going to happen. What I do expect and what I do hope for is for them to be opportunistic, make a few plays, and if they can just improve a tad bit on third down and add that to Maryland's, I would say, it'd be far-fetched to think they could execute as well on offense as Michigan did at times. So. You know, if Indiana can just improve themselves a little bit on third down, going up against the worst offense and one that turns the ball over a lot, you know, you can make a few plays with turnovers, you can get a couple more stops on third down, and you've got to feel really good about your chances at that point. Yeah, you, know, you said it before, this Maryland team is only
0: averaging 22.2 points a game. And if you hold them to their average, or maybe just over, IU can score. And you saw it. They scored yeah. on Michigan, who's a terrific defense. Um, and you think everybody. it's, yeah, they, I mean, they've scored on everybody except for Penn State, and that was because Sudfeld and Howard uh, did not play. Yep. Now, um, you know, there, there are no injury concerns going into this one. I think Howard is slowly getting back to where he was um at the beginning of the year, in terms of um, of being in shape, being in game shape, you know that ankle injury has limited him uh, probably in practice and probably getting reps and, and conditioning-wise. Uh, but the kid can play, and I think he should have another field day. This offensive line looked tremendous last week, um, and, yes. and finally they're they're imposing their will on on the other teams, uh, like we. Thought they would at the beginning of the year, they absolutely dominated Michigan um, for you know basically four quarters and two overtimes. And this is a Maryland um, uh, Maryland front that's not as good. They do have some players, uh, but they, yep. they're not as good. And and this offensive line should be able to dominate again, and the run game should be able to be uh, just as good or better. And then you work the passing game off of that and. I mean, this is a game where Indiana's offense should look like they did against against Rutgers, just better because they have Howard for that game for this game instead of uh, just using Maget and Redding for uh, the Rutgers game. So I, I expect IU to score almost a will this week.
2: Well, I I think that Maryland has a, a better defense than Rutgers, but yeah, adding Howard instead of going with just Divine and, and Redding, or I'm sorry, just Redding and maget should. Uh, should make up for that difference. If IU executes the way that we know they're capable of, I, I agree. They should be scoring uh, very consistently on Saturday. You know, I, you look at Indiana's running game. Uh, you said it. The offensive line was amazing on Saturday against Michigan. They were physical, uh, absolutely dominant at the point of attack. I thought that Dan Feeney and Jason Spriggs both played just as you would expect the leaders of your offensive line to play in a big game. Uh, They were excellent. Uh, Really, everybody was. Camille was the only guy that you could really have anything negative to say, and he's had a couple of penalties that will happen. But I thought that that whole unit played a great game. Jordan Howard was awesome. Um, You you look at this Maryland run defense, they're 36th in the country, uh, according to the S&P Plus (laughs) rankings. But I don't think it particularly matters to IU at this point. You know, short of going up against Alabama's run defense, what what defense they're going up against? I, I don't really think that they that they consider anyone to be able to stop their running game when it's on like that, and that that's the mindset of the players, in my opinion. Um, you know, Michigan and Iowa were incredibly good at, at run defense going into those games, and Indiana ran the ball on them. So, you know, I, I looked at the the previous rushing totals for Maryland's Big Ten opponents. Yeah, this, uh, it's a pretty good unit. Um, Michigan State had 3.4 yards to carry. Wisconsin, 2.9, but that was without Corey Clement. Uh, obviously, they're not the typical Wisconsin rushing attack with or without him, and without him, it's really not a very good running game. Uh, Iowa, 2.5 yards to carry. Penn State, only 1.5 yards to carry. That was the first game without Randy Etzel and it's probably the best that Maryland's played all year. And then these these past two weeks, Ohio State 3.9. I'm sorry, this is not the past two weeks. This is earlier. uh, So we're going backwards here. But Ohio State 3.9, Michigan 4.9. So Michigan was the Big Ten opener. They had 4.9 yards to carry. It looked like bad on offense and bad on defense. Well, they've improved since then. Nobody's gotten above four-yard to carry since. So I think that's kind of your target, uh, getting above four-yard to carry, and I don't think Indiana's going to have too much problem hitting that mark. I I would love to see uh, – well, it's hard to say you'd like to see more balance when the running game was working so well. What I would like to see a little bit of is some play action. Um, I, I thought that Indiana could have taken a shot or two against Michigan – I'm not complaining about the play calling because I thought the offense was really good uh, and I, I don't have a problem with continuing to run the ball when it was being so successful. But against Maryland, I think that what you could do uh, is, you know, you get that running game going, you get it going, you suck the safeties up a little bit, they come up for run support. And I, I wouldn't mind seeing a couple shots taken down the seam to Ricky Jones or Simi Cobbs down the sideline or even a tight end down the seam, uh, maybe Jordan Bukes, actually, who knows. But uh, I I do think that there's going to be some opportunities there because I, I just don't think that Maryland's going to be able to stop the IU's running game any better than recent opponents have because I think the offensive line and Jordan Howard are in a groove right now. I think the play calling's in a groove right now. Uh, as it relates to the running game, I, I think that they really feel good about where they're at and I, I don't see any reason why they won't, again, reach well over 200 yards on the ground. Yeah, and,
0: and that's really the key to the game. If you if you get the offense going, it's going to have to fall on the offense for the rest of the season um, just because how, how poorly the secondary is played. If you get the offense going in, in both phases, in the run and the pass, there's no stopping this team. And um, the only way to, like you said earlier, uh, is to get, uh momentum would be a likely uh big return or um you know a fumble or a turnover uh from yep. from Sudfeld in the offense uh but TJ uh what are you know what what's what do you have a prediction for the game do you do you feel pretty good
2: well um you know i see the, the biggest thing that holds me back from predicting a comfortable Indiana victory is number one, it's on the road and just traditionally it's not wise to pick Indiana on the road in any kind of game, especially a big 10 road game. Um, But like I said earlier, if you're going to be playing on the road, there are very few places that are going to be less hostile than it's going to be in college park on Saturday. Um, I, I just, I don't think that there are very many people that are paying attention to the current iteration of Maryland football. I think there are some people paying attention to the coaching search, and there's a lot of people paying attention to their basketball team, but I, I don't think that there's going to be a large turnout or much energy on Saturday. So you feel good about that. And the second thing is the pass defense. I know that Maryland has a bad passing offense. I don't think that any of their receivers – uh, should really scare Indiana's defensive coaches. You know, Laverne Jacobs averages. Uh, he has 31 catches. That's the leading receiver. But that's on 57 targets. They're going to throw out their averages hitting 50% of his passes. And that is with uh, a passing game that does not throw the ball down the field much. I think the average pass attempt is about 4.6 yards. So you're throwing at an average of 4.6 yards per attempt and you're completing less than 50%. That's awful. So I don't think that there's anyone really that terrifies you. It's just the IU pass defense has given really no reason to be confident. That being said, I have total confidence in IU's rushing attack and I've got pretty good confidence in IU's passing game once that running game gets going. So I'm going to predict that Indiana gets, number one, I think that the offensive pace is going to crank up a little bit. Um, I do think there's going to be more pace used on Saturday than we saw against the higher caliber opponents that IU played. Um, yeah, and they played AM, pretty
0: fast against Michigan, especially yeah, early. Yeah, they ended
2: up playing pretty fast. Um I think that we're going to see, uh, I'll predict that Indiana gets between 450 and 500 yards. Um, uh, well, actually, they'll probably go over 500 yards, really. Uh, and I think that the Hoosiers are going to come out with a win. I'm trying to think of a score. I'll go with 38-24, uh, 30, 20, Indiana.
0: All right. That's not a bad prediction. It wouldn't be a bad trip. I I would take that, um oh, I would smile yeah, all yeah, the I don't, way back to Maryland. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I
2: don't as, care what the as long score long as is. Good. I don't care what the performance is. It just needs to be a win. That's all it is. Style points have yeah, long since stopped the matter.
0: Yep. Yeah, I'll I'm right there with you. I think that um you know, I think Maryland Maryland has moved on uh from this season. I know that the players are still giving an effort. It is senior day and that might add an extra some extra juice there, but I think as a fan base and as a program, they've moved on to next year. They're looking for their coaches. I've seen a number of articles um from, you know, Maryland papers and, and Maryland websites uh, arguing who should be the next coach, whether Bill O'Brien's going to go there. So, I think mentally they're yeah. checked out. Uh, I as That's a fan base right. well you know they go where the money is and and they I think they get a new under armor deal in the next few years and and maybe they could afford it especially when they get this big 10 money uh coming up um but Maryland does have financial problems as well um you know th- their their website for their team like the official team website is awful um so you know it, it really is. I couldn't find it. – it took me like an hour to find stats and, and everything. Uh, but, you know, going into the game, I think Indiana is going to bring their own energy. We've seen how they bounce back uh, from tough losses yeah. before. They've done it under Wilson every time. And I think there might be a little bit of a revenge factor here. Uh, last year, Maryland came into Memorial Stadium after their uh, after IU's big uh, win at Mizzou. Uh, and basically kicked their butts. Um, there were a couple penalties that called back touchdowns for IU that took all the air out of the balloon, uh, but I believe yep. that that score was 35-17 or, or 37-15, um, something like that. And, you know, I think these seniors remember it. That's a game that, you know, if Sudfeld doesn't get hurt, that's a game that is a potentially cost you a bowl game. Is a, It's a home game against Maryland, so... I think the seniors and and people who are around for that game are going to come out on fire, uh, prove that that was a fluke, and and say, hey, not not this year, not this team. Um, And they've bounced back terrifically. We've seen it before. We thought that they would fall apart after the Rutgers game. We thought they would fall apart after the Iowa game. Um, We thought they they, they were out of gas at at Michigan State, Um, you know, and – We'll see. You know, there's no reason to, to lead me to believe that, you know, the, the Michigan game was the star, straw that broke the camel's back because they're a resilient uh, bunch of kids. I think Kevin Wilson has them uh, believing in this program, and and that's why he's not panicked because he sees these kids bought in. And, and um, I'll go, I think it's going to be 38-21 uh, 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 Indiana. Um you know, the Maryland will score maybe some garbage time points as well. Um, but that's, I think you're right at the averages for, for both teams almost. And I will see where, where it goes from there.
2: Yeah. I, I will say that no matter what the score is, um, on either side, I don't think that either fan base would feel comfortable about anything until it actually got to, to zero. Um, I think that both teams have been through enough this year that I think the fans are probably probably kind of feeling like no matter what the score is, that the game is yet to be over. And we've seen it. I mean, just you're not going to feel safe with any lead with this defense. You're not going to feel safe with any lead if you're the opposition with any in offense. So it's. I think it will be an interesting game. I actually think Maryland's going to hang around for a while uh, before Indiana's running game just, you know, grinds their defense down. Uh, I hope that that's the game plan. I think that it will be. I think the offensive coaches are well aware of what they have with this running attack, and I think it's what they expected coming into the season, and, and now we're seeing it in full force now that uh, everybody appears to be uh, healthy and click on all cylinders on that side of the ball. So um, one thing – one name to mention that the IU offensive line is going to have to be aware of when Sundell drops back. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe does have 12 of uh, 12 sacks, so he's he's a danger man. They're actually pretty good at getting the quarterback. Uh, so IU offensive line is going to have to be uh, up to the challenge against both him and Quentin Jefferson, who has six and a half sacks at the other defensive end spot. So uh, they're they're a pretty good tandem. Uh, again, this is not a not a great defense, but they're a very solid defense, a top 50 unit that it, it's not going to present zero resistance by any means, but the way Indiana's offense is playing, you feel pretty good about it, especially after they did what they've done to a couple of top 20 units in Michigan and Iowa. So uh, all signs point to... The offense continuing to to impress, the defense continuing to struggle, but maybe Maryland's struggling offense is able to to help out the Hoosiers enough to, to get them to their fifth win and give us an extremely interesting bucket week. We can hope.
0: Yeah, um, and that's right on the the the, the Michigan or uh, Maryland defensive line is pretty good. Uh, so it'll yep. be up to uh, Spriggs and, and Dan Feeney, who, who looked awesome last week. You know, Sudfeld was only taken down for one sack, and that was early. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there. This is a game where, you know, you take it like, you know, one of those uh, – you take it one quarter at a time. It's Let's win the first quarter. Then it's let's win yep. the second quarter. Uh, let's win the third quarter, and let's win the fourth quarter. Eventually, if you win all those three, four – you're going to win the game and then you move on um and enjoy it you move on uh to bucket week and you do the same thing so uh TJ there are some big games going around the uh the rest of the Big 10 uh we're going to it's highlighted Michigan State, Ohio State um Michigan State could really throw a wrench in the Big 10 East uh with a mm-hmm. win at Ohio State Ohio State um controls their own destiny. Uh, If they win the next two, they're going back to the Big Ten championship game. Um, So let's kick off there.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I think that it's always important in these late season games to talk more about the egg for each team than it is to kind of rehash the same points we've talked about. You know, everybody knows, or anybody that's paying attention enough to care at this point, kind of knows the situations for both teams. They know that Ohio State's offense has been a bit underwhelming, but still is very capable. Uh, They know Ohio State's defense has been really good. So, uh, you know, not that surprising. Um, You know, Michigan State, I don't think anybody knows for sure what to expect from them on Saturday because Connor Cook is not healthy. He's going to play, but he's not healthy. He's got some shoulder problems, and he's really had to, shoulder, uh, to carry. Maybe that's maybe that's his problem. Maybe he's had to carry uh, the Michigan State offense all season, and you know his, his shoulders worn out from it. I don't know, but uh, it's it's going to be very interesting for me to see whether or not he's even close to 100 percent. if he's not, I don't think they have any shot at Ohio State, who I actually think is is ready for a. a breakthrough game i I think if you looked at how ohio state's schedule set up pretty much everyone has been pointing to this week as when their season really starts you know they had some challenges uh at times that sort of seemed like they were kind of sleepwalking through parts of games just kind of looking forward to this one and then next week against michigan uh I'm not entirely sure why they've been in the top four every week, because I don't think that they've uh, really impressed all that much when you look at their resume, but they they are there, and you have to think it's just due to, to the residual effect from last season, and that's fair. Uh, I think JT Barrett is just a much better quarterback for this team. I think the offense uh, responds better to him. I think they play at a quicker pace with him in the game, and Ohio State, Right now, they just lack a downfield uh, downfield weapon at wide receiver. They missed that from last season. Michael Thomas is a very good receiver, but he's not a major downfield threat, and they just haven't developed anyone else into that at this point. Got a lot of guys that are dangerous, but most of them are dangerous with the ball in their hands. They're not dangerous down the field, so that kind of hinders what Cardell Jones is best at, which is throwing downfield. So I think that the offense is just a much better fit for Barrett at this time, uh, but really the defense has been the standout. The defense plus Ezekiel Elliott, and if you look at that combination plus Connor Cook not being healthy, I like think you you really have to like Ohio State's chances to win this one, make a statement, uh, and get ready for their their matchup against Michigan, which you know let's let's. Say that Ohio State wins this week and Michigan wins this week against Penn State, then obviously those two would be playing next Saturday, not just in Jim Harbaugh versus Urban Meyer for the first time, but uh, those two meeting up for the Big Ten East title. If Michigan State wins, then we've got all kinds of chaos um, in which the Spartans would just need to win their final game of the season. To, which is against Penn State. So that's not an easy one uh, to win the Big Ten East. So all three of those teams that we talked about all season as being that you know that three horse race once Michigan established themselves, all three of them are still alive heading into this final weekend, which is uh, or the final two weekends, which is um, I'd say a little bit surprising that one of them didn't fall off and then fall apart.
0: Yeah, um. it, it, it's. Really going to be an exciting last two weeks, um, and and that's what this division race is meant to do. Um, yeah
2: yep. that's
0: we'll, we'll move on to one of the the lesser exciting games. Uh, Rutgers at Army. Uh, it's on at noon. <laughs> um, you know, there's nothing really at stake there. I think, you know, Rutgers is uh, lost bowl eligibility last week, and yep. uh, Army's sitting at uh, two and eight. So. I mean, other than you know taking in the tradition uh, at West Point, that there's not not much going on there.
2: No, no, I, I you know, my viewing guide. I just kind of put it, it's always nice to cheer for the service academies, so go Army. But I, I mean, they're two and eight. Rutgers isn't going to a bowl game. Really, the last important game on Navy schedule or on Army schedule is always Navy, so uh, they'll be playing them. I, I you know. I don't know um, if there's not going to be much come out of this one. I think Rutgers, what you could see possibly is if Rutgers were to lose to army, uh, they might just fire coach flood now instead of waiting until after the season. I don't know.
0: But yeah,
2: that's, you know, probable. Uh, anyway, next, uh, we're going
0: to another team, uh, another game that features a, a team who's in the playoff hunt, um, Yep. Purdue at number five. Iowa um Purdue's two and eight. They're 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 not great. Uh they have had some close calls uh with some good teams, but um they're they're going into uh, a buzzsaw at Iowa. Um the Iowa needs to needs to win and needs to win convincingly. Uh, we saw um I forgot who Purdue played last week, um Northwestern. Northwestern dropped in the rankings because uh, they only play, beat uh, Purdue at home by seven. So um, we'll see what Iowa could do. They're they're just a big physical team. We saw them a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's senior day. Uh, there's a lot on the line for Iowa. So I, I, I really see Iowa running away with this one.
2: Yeah, I think running is going to be the operative term there. Uh, the trio of LaShawn Daniels, Akron Wadley, and Jordan Kinzeri. Uh, it's kind of been a different guy every week that ends up leading the charge for them. Last week it was Leshawn Daniels against Minnesota. They really ended up at a shootout with the Gophers, which was surprising. It was 40-35. to 35. Um, Purdue only 114th in the country against the run, so I would expect a lot of running the ball from Iowa. I haven't heard an update on Markel Jones, but he left the Northwestern game. Uh, he was in a pile after being tackled, and Somebody kind of landed on his leg, and it looked sort of like a hyperextension, maybe a pulled muscle. Um, uh, he left the game and had a, you know, one of those huge ice bags on the back of his leg right around the kneecap area. I have not heard an update on Markell Jones. I've been searching every morning. Uh haven't found anything on it. So, obviously, if he is out, uh, that's a huge blow to their offense. Um, like you said, they've battled here. Two out of three games, anyway. Uh, they got hammered by Illinois in the middle of that stretch, so I, I still don't know. I think that they're a little bit better than they looked probably a month ago, but this is still a very very bad defense uh, with an offense that uh, is inconsistent, I would say. They have some bright spots. They've got some good players. I think David Blau could be a good quarterback in time. Right now they still make too many mistakes, and if they don't have Markel Jones, I I think it's going to be very difficult for them to to hang around in Iowa Iowa City. Uh, I think probably for Indiana fans, what you're going to be looking for is whether or not Markel Jones, number one, is playing on Saturday. If he's not, will he be playing in the bucket game? And then number two, if he does play, you know how effective this he look? If he's not 100%, that downgrades their offense quite a bit. Uh, DJ Knox is uh, not a bad second back, but Markel Jones is the best uh, dynamic threat they have on their offense. So, if he's out for the for the bucket game, that would be a huge boon for Indiana.
0: Yeah, and and you also have to take into account. Yeah, it's a bucket game. It's a big game. You'd like to to win it, but at some point this is a, a freshman who's been awesome and, and you got to take his future yeah. into consideration. Um, next, uh, TJ, we are going to uh, Minnesota, Illinois, Minnesota. Both teams are hanging on for dear life in um, in terms of bowl eligibility. Uh, Illinois is sitting at five and five, uh, Minnesota at four and six. Minnesota would be eliminated uh, most likely with a loss. Um Illinois if they lose would have to go play uh, Northwestern in Chicago uh it's a rare home game uh in Chicago I don't like um that scheduling but I, I I think if Illinois wins this uh they'll finish 6 and 6 uh Minnesota needs a win uh just to just to get back to 6 and 6 I don't I forgot who they close the season out with uh but it's Uh, Oh, at Wisconsin, of course, the battle for the Axe. So um, they're probably likely finishing with uh, seven wins, but five and seven is a lot better than four and eight. So uh, what do you see going on uh, with Minnesota-Illinois?
2: Yeah, I think you you laid out the stakes pretty well. Uh, The question for Illinois is going to be, you know, let's say they win this game uh, at Minnesota and then figure out how to beat Northwestern, which is, you know, they'll be underdogs but that's certainly not impossible uh you know if they if they go 7 and 5 do you give bill Cubit the job i i doubt it um i i don't think he's a strong enough recruiter for them to consider doing so but uh that's a possibility i guess at the very least it'd be a, a good accomplishment for them to get to a bowl game i think that that would far exceed expectations for many people heading into the season especially with all the turmoil they had. You know Minnesota uh gave the head job to Tracy Clays, that's official. We talked about that I think last week that was just breaking um when we were on the on our podcast. So you know Tracy Clays is the uh permanent head coach now for that program. So I I think that they feel pretty stable about their future. Uh I like you said, I anticipate either 4-8 and eight or 5-7 and seven for them, which is going to be disappointing for sure. Um, I'm not entirely sure what to expect out of it. I will say that Minnesota's offense has shown some real life since Tracy Clays took over. That's either a coincidence or he's made some tweaks. They have put the ball in the hands of Mitch Lightner a little bit more than you'd expect, uh, partially due to the struggles in the running game partially due to Leidner, just continuing to play pretty well. So, uh, for me, it's going to come down to whether or not uh, Minnesota's able to contain Josh Ferguson. Ohio State absolutely shut him down, and without Josh Ferguson, the Illinois offense really struggles. So, I think that's what it'll come down to, and I I would anticipate a very close game. It's on at the same time as IU, so most of us are probably not going to see any of that one, but I, I do think that's going to be... Uh, fairly entertaining um and there are some you know it's certainly nationally totally irrelevant, but i think for for fans in this region, it's you know a mildly interesting game with some some stakes involved for the for the immediate future of those programs yeah definitely, and next
0: uh we'll go to happy valley um yeah, you know, Michigan is uh gotta keep pace with Michigan State and Ohio State. Uh they'll jump with a win, they'll they'll jump into almost a driver's seat there, uh, in the in the Big Ten East. So, um, they go to uh Penn State so lots lots on the line. Uh Penn State would like a win over Michigan. That would be uh, a nice feather in the cap of James Franklin. Um but what do you what do you see going down here? Is Michigan um You know, is their defense going to bounce back after giving up 41 points to Indiana and letting them run all over them, Uh, or is this, or did Indiana find a a flaw that's now out on tape, and is uh, Penn State going to take advantage of it?
2: Well, I I don't think that Indiana found a flaw, but it is concerning for Michigan because Michigan State put up quite a few yards, um, not a lot of points, but they did move the ball. Minnesota put up a ton of yards on Michigan and then Indiana did the same plus a little bit more. So it's it's a little bit concerning here that four, uh, three of their past four games have not been very good defensive performances for the Wolverines. I still think that's a very good unit and I don't think that Penn State's offense is uh, near up to the caliber of, of Indiana's. Um, I think the Penn State really does need to get one of these last two games. You know, they're seven and three right now. Uh, they lost to Temple. Does not look as bad as as many thought it would, uh, myself included. Temple's been a lot better than expected, but still, James Franklin has yet to beat anyone that you would consider a high quality opponent. If you're Penn State, um, so I think it's going to be interesting to see. You know, they've got Michigan, they've got Michigan State. After that, if they lose both those games, they're 7-5 and five with, again, no quality wins tenure, I think that people would really be wondering, you know, what exactly do we have here, and are we going to be able to do any better than fourth in this division? And that's not going to be good enough for them. Um, so I think that that will be – kind of the storyline for Penn State these next two weeks, if they can get one of those two, you know, eight and four, um, a solid, if unspectacular season, and a a solid bowl game, you know, progression from the year before, and they'd probably be mildly happy if they could get both of them, you know, looking at nine and three in New Year's Day Bowl, and they're probably thrilled with a lot of momentum going into the next year, albeit probably without Hackenberg. Um, for Michigan, like you said, it's you, know, you win, and you've got a home game against Ohio State to win the division. And if you would have asked Michigan fans if they'd take that before the season, they would have you know, taken your hand off trying to get it. So I, I think that this is a big game for both teams. For Michigan, long term, it probably has no real consequences because I think they have about as much momentum as any program in the country right now. For Penn State, I think that this one has implications for this season and i think the next two weeks have implications long term for the program not that they'd make a change but i do think that there would start to be some questions asked if they drop both of these and go 7 and 5 without quality wins
0: yeah and it's that that'll you know we'll see and and you want them to win well i don't want them to win but you know that would set up a Michigan win would set up an epic Michigan Ohio State game for the Big Ten East title.
2: It, yeah, um, it would be it would be good for exposure for the for the conference. Not I'm not I'm not rooting for the Big Ten until bowl season, in which I I will root for the Big Ten. But you know, it would help some um, to have a program in the playoffs. It it just it helps the perception of the conference nationally, and that matters for recruiting. How much does it matter? I don't know, but we know that it matters some because recruits talk about it. Um, when they commit to Big Ten programs they talk about, you know, playing against teams that are in the college football playoffs or that are, you know, the elite, however you want to define that. So that stuff does matter. So it, it does have an impact on IU. Yep, finally,
0: uh, real quickly, Northwestern at Wisconsin, both teams at eight and two. TJ, um a season for, for Northwestern, a decent yep. season for Wisconsin where expectations uh were that they would take a step back. Um, who do you see winning this game real quick?
2: Uh I'm gonna take Wisconsin at home with a stronger defense. I don't think Northwestern is able to consistently move the ball through the air. So Wisconsin makes them one-dimensional and then shuts down that one-dimension um, long enough to, to get probably a pretty low-scoring, ugly win at home. And if they get to 10 wins with that offense, man, that would that'd be impressive. They'd be about the least imposing 10-win team you'd find. But kudos to them. They're finding a way to get it done. It's just a really solid program.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, that Wisconsin's just cranking out uh, 10 wins uh t j that does it for our pregame show uh thanks for joining us as always uh you've been an awesome co-host um next week we'll figure it out. It's a holiday week um we'll probably have our recap on monday if not uh, we'll uh get you the schedule as soon as possible uh otherwise t j have a great weekend uh we'll talk to you during the game uh you can follow him at t j Hoosier huddle. Uh, he does a lot of good stuff uh, with SaturdayEdge.com uh, as well. TJ, enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, hopefully we we have a happy discussion on Monday.
2: Absolutely. It'd be nice to
0: talk about a win for a change. It really would. Go Hoosiers. Yep, that does it for our pregame show. Uh, IU in Maryland is kicking off on Saturday at noon. It's on Big Ten Network, uh, so check your uh, local listings. I want to thank uh, D'Angelo's Italian Restaurant in Bloomington for sponsoring us this year. Uh, We have a couple weeks left, but if uh, you're in Bloomington craving good Italian food, uh, do stop in at Uh, D'Angelo's. I I love their chicken parm. Uh, They have good pizza. I think on Mondays they have two-for-one pizza deals. Anyway, uh, thank you. Uh, Good luck, and we'll talk to you on Monday.
1: The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is
0: the
2: podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage.
1: Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.